Great, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for these uh, verses that you have for us today. Thank you for uh, the good words that is given to give us certainty into all the things about Jesus that he fulfills. Please, would you do that work that in us again this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Brilliant. There we go, that is working. Sorry, I'll get there in a second. There we go. Well, our lives are shaped by agendas. Okay, we all have an agenda which impacts how we live. The question is, is what is that agenda? So if your agenda is your love of downhill mountain biking, now if that is you, I haven't picked on you, I don't think I know anyone who's that is their passion. But if your agenda is downhill mountain biking and you're going to enjoy that as much as you can, well that agenda is then going to impact and shape your life. Right? It's going to shape how you spend your time, your days off. You are going to be going to go and enjoy that pastime. It's how it's going to shape your holidays, right? No lying on a beach for you. You're going to be there, top of the mountain, and getting down it as fast as you can. It's going to shape how you spend your money, purchasing the latest bikes, the best equipment. It's going to shape your friendship, probably. You're going to probably find people who enjoy the same pastime as you. Now, of course, our agendas are kind of more complex than that, okay? We can't usually kind of boil down our agenda to one thing. But the question is, what is your agenda? Well, what are you about in your life? And the real big question for us this morning is when it comes to Jesus, will you try and fit Jesus into your agenda or will you let him shape your agenda? Will you try and fit Jesus into your agenda or will you let him shape it? Last week we saw Jesus' agenda, his manifesto that he was sent to proclaim good news to the poor. Again, in the context of Isaiah there, the poor wasn't a particular category of people who had less money than the rest. Actually, that was the whole nation of Israel in exile because of their continued rebellion against God. God had sent them into exile from the Babylonians. And the people there were, were poor, afflicted. And Jesus was sent to proclaim good news of liberation, of being set free from sins, being set free from Satan, being set free from death. That was Jesus' manifesto, his agenda, right? But what does that look like in practice? That's his his agenda. What did that look like? Uh, Imagine you're going for a a new job. Okay, well, you can read the job description, But what would really help you is actually to go and uh, shadow the person you'd be taking over from, to see it in action. So this morning we're going to see Jesus' agenda, his manifesto, in action. And we're going to see a kind of average day in the life of Jesus, a standard Sabbath day. And the first thing and the main thing that we're going to see coming through these verses is we're going to see Jesus' authority in action. That's what I want us to see. I want us to see Jesus' authority in action. So, firstly, in his teaching. Have a look down at verse 31. And he went into Capernaum, a city of Galilee. It was a prosperous fishing town. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. 
and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. We saw that this was Jesus' custom. This is what he did. Right? Sabbath day, he would go to the, the local synagogue, the kind of meeting place where they'd hear the scriptures read and they would uh, discuss it and hear it taught. And this Saturday, this Sabbath day, Jesus is, is preaching and the crowd are astonished. They're amazed at what they hear. What made him stand out? Well, his word possessed authority. His word was authoritative. So apparently in those days, in the, the Sabbath day, basically kind of the, the talk went something like this. And they'd read the passage and they'd be, well, John Piper said this. Well, Don Carson added such and such. And John T. Alcock applied it in this way. And Charles Dobby mentioned this aspect. And insert the name of your favourite preacher, or let's go back a bit, and John Owen, ooh, John Calvin, they said this. It basically would have been a whole load of quotations because the people had their authority from the people they were quoting. So if they're quoting authoritative people, well then their word was trustworthy. But Jesus was different. When he spoke, his authority wasn't a kind of second-hand authority. His authority didn't come from the people that he quoted because there was no greater authority for him to call upon. When he spoke, the people heard the words of God. When he spoke, it resonated with truth and with power. His word carried weight. They could tell that what they heard really was right. And they were astonished. Jesus' authority in his teaching. Secondly, his authority over demons. Verse 33, and in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. We'll look in a second. A few weeks ago we saw Satan, that real spiritual being, evil, who was utterly opposed to God and his purposes. We saw it when he sought to tempt Jesus. Well, demons, they're his kind of lesser minions. Again, real spiritual beings. Evil, they're described in this verse as unclean. They're destructive forces that, in, that was in control of this man from within. And it offers his challenge. So verse 34, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God's. And I think what we find here is this, this challenge that will you destroy us? And I think by that he means me and the man that I'm possessing. Look, I have such power. If you're going to kind of get rid of me, well, I'm going to take him with us. Or take him with me. But Jesus responds with utter authority. Verse 35. Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done no harm. What incredible authority. Jesus rebukes this unclean spirit. He silences this unspirit. He casts out this unclean spirit. And that unclean spirit can do no harm to that man. What incredible authority of Jesus. And the crowds, well, they recognize it again, verse 36, and they were amazed 
And they said to one another, what is this word? Because it is a word by which Jesus cast this demon out. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirit and he comes out and he came out. Remarkable, how remarkable it is that at a word, Jesus speaks in power authority and the unclean spirit leaves. So authority in his teaching, authority over demons. Now, finally, authority over disease. Verse 38. Uh, it's a kind of after church, right? This is a kind of Sunday lunch. After the synagogue, go to somebody's house for lunch. Well, Jesus is there at the house of Simon, uh, who would later become Peter. Verse 38. And he arose and left the synagogue, entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. High fever. Now, in those days, pre-medicine, right, this was a very seriously thing, serious thing. Do you remember this as a, from a child? I remember cowpaw. I think it was lovely. Um, it, delicious stuff. And, and as a parent, cowpaw is kind of your, your parent's best friend. Because a, a fever nowadays, actually, relatively speaking, oftentimes, is kind of give them some cowpaw on it, and it works. But, but in those days... A high fever was a really serious, serious condition to be in, really dangerous for her. And even if she were to recover, it was going to be a long road to recovery. But it's no problem for Jesus. Verse 39, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Same word as the rebuking of the unclean demon. He rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them immediately total healing and we we can see that because she jumps up and starts serving all those who are present jesus has authority in his teaching he has authority over demons he has authority over disease and very quickly word gets around and the, the whole, kind of whole town wants a piece of this that they've they've seen jesus total authority and so that they, uh, we find in verse 42, um, he, Jesus has gone out, he's departed to a desolate place, and we learn from another gospel, he's there praying. But you see what they, they oh no, sorry, I'm jumping a bit, come back to verse 40. Sorry, now the sun was setting, all those who had, who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on them, on every one of them, and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, so, so we see here the whole town kind of gathers him, right? You, you're sick, you're feeling unwell, come to this Jesus. And Jesus heals them. He casts out more demons. Like, he does this. He empties the hospitals. Capernaum local hospital is, is all the beds are free because they've all come to him and he's healed them all. And did you notice, actually, a wonderful personal healing? In compassion, he, he goes to each of them and, and touches them. This isn't a be, be healed. No, he goes and approaches each one of them in compassion. And also, did you see the emphasis? Um, let me read that again to see Jesus' total authority over sickness. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. Total authority. And again, the demons recognize Jesus' identity. 
In verse 41, And the demons came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked, there's the word again, he rebuked them and would not let them allow, not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. That's intriguing, that, isn't it? You've got Jesus, these are people who are most opposed to Jesus at recognising and declaring who Jesus was and Jesus shuts them up. Do you remember in the temptation, Satan quoted scripture at Jesus. Evil sometimes might speak the truth, but not with right motives, with twisted ends, evil purposes. And so Jesus isn't going to let these demons be his messengers. And so he rebukes them and shuts them up. Jesus has total authority in his teaching over demons, over disease. So what? Okay, this, this is uh, the day in the life of Jesus. So what we'll first see is just proving his identity. So last time out, we saw that Jesus stood up, read those scriptures, said that the one's coming to, bring, uh, to preach good news, to bring liberation, and today this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. I am the one who's going to do it. Well, how do we know? Imagine, right, Jesus, okay, so we've heard that, but Jesus goes out and he taught in the synagogue and it was just the same as anyone else, maybe a little bit better, but it was just like their other teachers of the law. Imagine he rebukes a demon and says, come out, and nothing happens. Or he, he goes to someone with disease, touches them and says, be healed, and their condition remains unchanged. The power and authority that Jesus displays over demons and disease proves who he is. If you've been unsure about Jesus' identity, we've been looking at it a lot over the last weeks in our series in, in Luke. Here we can see why it is that we can have certainty into who Jesus is. All these incredible miracles prove his authority, prove his identity. Have certainty in that. But also linked to that, secondly, again, Isaiah prophesied elsewhere that God's perfect king was going to come. And his perfect king was going to defeat evil, banish evil, would bring restoration, would bring an enjoyment of God's blessings in God's place. Namely, he would establish God's kingdom. And these miracles give us a glimpse of that kingdom. The kingdom, uh, Jesus' kingdom is wherever Jesus is, Jesus is recognised and Jesus is ruling when people are submitting to him as king. And Jesus here is bringing glimpses of what his kingdom life is like. Evil banished, no disease, life, just God's blessing. And what we get here in a real snapshot in one moment is what God's people are going to enjoy for all eternity when Jesus comes again and establishes his kingdom entirely. So see Jesus' authority in action. This is the day in the life of Jesus, living out his mission. Secondly, don't try to fit Jesus into your own agenda. Don't try to fit Jesus in your own agenda. The response to Jesus' ministry couldn't really be much more different from last week. Do you remember last week, uh, having Jesus finished his sermon, the people got up, drove Jesus out of town and wanted to kill him. This time, 
they are doing all that they can to keep him. So the verse I I started to read earlier, verse 42, Jesus had kind of gone out to a desert place uh, to pray, and the people go out to him. uh, And the people sought him, came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, no. You can totally see why, right? You can totally see why they would have wanted to keep Jesus there. All the people's problems dealt with. Cancer cured. Arthritic joints soothed. Chronic migraines, a thing of the past. Debilitating depression dealt with. Possessed by a demon, it's gone. And it's preaching. No more listening to Rich on a Sunday morning. You've got Jesus here in town. You've got doctor, exorcist, counsellor, uh, all kind of wrapped up into one. You can see why they're like, Jesus, stay. Can you imagine having Jesus living in town? Have you, you're feeling a bit poorly? Your, your relatives sick or whatever? Take them to Jesus. Truly wonderful. I think I probably would have been right at the front of that party, seeking to keep Jesus there. Their response is understandable, but it does show that they haven't got him. They haven't got him. We'll look at Jesus' response more fully in a second. But he says no, basically. The people, here's the thing, the people really did understand something about who Jesus was. They really did understand something about who Jesus was. They saw his authority and they loved it. But that understanding fell well short of truly grasping his identity and mission. I want to say those two things again, right? The people really did understand something about Jesus and they loved it, but that understanding fell well short of truly grasping his identity and mission. Because I wonder if that doesn't also describe a huge chunk of people across our country who go to churches. They understand something and they like it, they love it, but they don't truly understand his identity and mission. And that might describe people in, some people in lines down too. You see, they see, the people there, they see Jesus' power and authority. They hear his wonderful teaching. They see these miracles and they want that in their lives. They want that for themselves to fulfill their own agenda. They want them to be their own Capern- Capernaum miracle man. And that still happens today. We see people see his power, but want to use it for their own agenda. And so Jesus becomes a kind of financial consultant, doctor. I think perhaps the biggest one is insurance policy. Oh, somebody who can get me to heaven, avoid hell. Yeah, I'll take that, thank you. Perhaps some signs that uh, maybe using Jesus for your own agenda. And maybe you only turn to him when you're in trouble. Jesus doesn't get a kind of look in for, for most of the time. Yeah, you might kind of go to church on a Sunday and whatever, but, but nothing much through the week. Something goes wrong, right, okay. Jesus, of course, is the one to turn to. But never, never another time. Perhaps another sign that seeking to use Jesus for your own identity is you're not serving him. Yeah, I'll have Jesus serve me, but 
but that's it. I'll have Jesus to make my life better and easier and whatnot, but the idea of me serving him is madness. But actually, just in passing, that that little wonderful picture we find of Simon's mother-in-law. She is served, she is healed. What does she do immediately? She jumps up to serve. Saved to serve. If you're not doing that, that might be a sign that actually you're seeking to use Jesus purely for your own agenda. Don't try and fit Jesus into your agenda. Finally, get on board with his agenda. Get on board with his agenda. You see, Jesus, see, don't try to fit him into your own agenda because, well, truly, he, he can't be, he won't be fit into our little lives like that. Rather, we should be getting on board with his agenda. And so we saw that explained last week, but we see actually that this chapter kind of comes full circle in these last couple of verses. So verse 43, when they were getting him, trying to keep him there, see what he says. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. He does that. That is Jesus' identity, and his agenda. Verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. Must. He must do that. That is the reason he was sent. This was the reason he came, was to do this, to preach good news. That's the same um, word that we, we find uh, I'll, I'll look at that now, there's the same word that we saw right at the beginning, you can see I've kind of highlighted, do you see the repetition there he, Jesus came to proclaim good news and then the preaching is the same word that you find also back in verse 19 as well that is what Jesus was about, to proclaim good news of liberation that we saw explained here it's put, of the kingdom the kingdom that he is bringing, the kingdom that is pictured in these miracles, the kingdom of forgiveness of sins, of entering into a relationship with him and his father, of enjoying those blessings in part now and fully for all eternity, for all who repent. That is what Jesus was about, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And not just to one little town, or to one little person, or even one little church. It's all of God's people. And we see, see through the rest of Luke and in Acts, which is Luke part two, we see how that goes to all the ends of the earth as well. This is Jesus living, and he lives out that mission. That is what Jesus came to do. He came to preach, to proclaim. And nothing or no one was going to stop him from doing it. No one could stop him from carrying out his God-appointed task. I mentioned that word must. We see it here. We saw it for the first time when Jesus was a 12-year-old in the temple. Do you remember when he said, I must be in my father's house, or I must be about my father's business? It's a key word in Luke when we, when we see Jesus must do something. Well, he must be about his father's business. That's what we've seen before. What is his father's business? Well, he must Proclaim the good news of the kingdom to those around. And throughout this, five, five of the remaining 
seven times through the gospel, he must go to Jerusalem, suffer, die, and rise again three days later. Jesus, at this stage, must proclaim the good news of the kingdom. At the end of his life, Jesus must go to the cross to bring access to this kingdom by dying for those sins that keep us out. That we would trust in him, that he has paid for them, that we would enter this kingdom. And this is such a really good thing that Jesus wouldn't be swayed or or deterred from his mission. This is far better than having one town's social problems dealt with. It is so better than even having Jesus sort out your finances or heal you or, or whatever it might be. Jesus brings access to this kingdom, forgiveness of sins, relationship with God, blessings now, but ultimately and fully in the future. And at a wide-ranging scope, this isn't just one town. The fact that we're here in New Barnets, thousands of years later, is testimony that this preaching was to go wider. And as Christians... Our and our church's agenda shaped, set by Jesus' agenda. So Jesus' agenda was his preaching the good news. And so must ours. It is so easy for churches to, to perhaps miss the point like they did first uh, back then. I thought kind of Jesus was about something else, just about for us and for, for our social needs. It's very easy for people to miss that point. It's very easy to to kind of get off track here. We kind of might know that Jesus is about um, preaching the good news uh, and that should be our mission, but then we get sucked into other things as well. No, our agenda is set by Jesus proclaiming the good news. Uh, Yeah, we can kind of get get into all kinds of different things. We have proclaimed the good news, but we also have social action uh, and Uh, mercy ministries and all those kind of things no, we're about proclaiming the good news we get there no, our agenda is shaped by Jesus' agenda as individuals and as a church we too our job is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom following Jesus' agenda, his priority so that it is ours let's pray that would be the case Lord Jesus, we do praise you that you came, you were sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. We praise you that uh, you stuck to that task of proclaiming and ultimately you stuck to that task of going to the cross. We praise you that we can indeed be part of this kingdom, your wonderful kingdom, all because of your grace and all because of what you've achieved. Father God, pray that our lives would be set, our agendas of our lives would be set by you. That we wouldn't seek to use Jesus for our own ends, our own means, but rather that he would be shaping our lives. Please work that in us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.